Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, By the Still Water. Our desire is to have this stimulate your discussion and your search for the God of heaven. Again, thank you for listening. It is a matter of life or death. Those lines have been used in countless books and movies. The expression means that nothing can be more important. It means the choices made or actions taken will result in either someone living or dying, and that some action needed to be taken immediately. In a famous movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger puts out his hand and says, Come with me if you want to live. Who could refuse an invitation like that? What if someone said that to you? In these podcasts, we talk about spiritual things. Many see discussions about God, morality, heaven, and forgiveness as interesting topics, but not really practical. They don't appreciate that what is being considered is a choice between life or death. Every day, we make choices that have far-reaching consequences for ourselves and others. Choices that could mean life or death. It is not often that we realize that our choices carry such weight. Most of us are not vascular surgeons holding someone's heart in their hands or a pilot of a jumbo jet trying to land in a strong crosswind. We are just people, doing people kind of things. We wake up, go to work or school, stop at the store, check our email, spend time with friends, go to sleep. But in truth, many choices that we make carry the burden of life or death. Have you ever passed a serious car crash? Moments before that crash happened, the driver of that car was thinking about some of the same things we were talking about a moment ago, their lives going along just like ours. They were concerned about whether they needed to pick up more laundry soap or whether it is time to get a haircut. But a moment later, a choice they made determined if they were going to live or maybe die. Or someone else, a complete stranger, would live or maybe die. In the blink of an eye, the choices made transform from common and ordinary to the choices of life or death. Not only do we make life or death choices every day, but we do so without focusing on them very much. Let me give you an example. Is there anything more mundane than crossing a street? Yet, every year in San Francisco, about 30 people are killed and around 200 seriously injured just crossing the street. It may be because there's a lot of foot traffic there or because the streets are narrow, but San Francisco is one of the most dangerous cities in the United States to just cross a street. I hope that if you ever visit San Francisco, you will pause before you step off the curb. The reason we know how to cross the street safely is someone taught us, and we practiced over and over. Who taught you how? Do you remember the first time someone took your hand and showed you how to look for traffic, how to wait for the light to change, and then guided you to the other side of the street? I don't, but I know someone did teach me how and told me that if I did not follow the rules, it would be disastrous. So, the instructions are delivered with both a sense of responsibility for how to cross safely and the dire consequences of not doing it correctly, because it is a skill that is truly life or death. I also know that whoever did that 
cared enough for me to teach me and to warn me. It was caring expressed in loving action. But what if we learned and developed habits that are wrong? Every year, the number of tourists killed in London in pedestrian accidents is more than double other cities of similar size. Why? The reason is most tourists look the wrong way. With the British system of driving on the left-hand side of the road and not the right, like most of the rest of the world, tourists look left and then step into oncoming traffic from the right. For that situation, they learned the wrong lessons and have the wrong instincts and habits. But most of us approach a crosswalk, pause to look, and then safely cross, mostly without contemplating the horrible possibilities of being struck and killed. I can walk for blocks, thinking about my destination, what I will say to my friends waiting for me, or about the job interview I'm headed to, and never remember how I crossed a dozen busy streets. The warnings and the teachings have become second nature to me. It becomes ingrained so much the same way as the basic skills of walking itself have become second nature. I do not think about putting one foot in front of another. I just know where I want to go and move that way, letting my feet do the work. So our safe arrival depends on us taking the warning seriously, learning the safe way to navigate the hazards and having it become rooted deep within our lives and actions. We learned habits that protect us. But for the greater challenges of our lives, who teaches us? Who warns us? Who instructs us? Someone once said that the value of something is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. The story of Jesus is the story of a life willingly paid for ours. It is also a story of instructions on how to live in a way that preserves and protects. It is a story of love put into action. There is a lot of bad information, bad instruction, bad habits out there. But Jesus tells us, my words bring life, hope, and a real understanding of this world. What if that is where we start with our understanding and our relationship with God? He knows us and loves us. Not some lofty theological kind of love, but a love that we can understand and have seen. Maybe only in brief glimpses in this world, but love nevertheless. A love that would help us learn to cross the street safely, to watch out for others. A love that would help us overcome a looming danger, a death that is certain but can certainly be defeated. The Bible has many elements and many layers, but there are places where the instructions seem to be as elementary as learning to cross the street. One of those places is a poem written by King David about 3,000 years ago, and it begins by asking the question almost like, do you want to live? David says in Psalm 15, we choose life or death, by the other choices we make. For many people, the book of Psalms is difficult. Looking at it through modern eyes, it is poetry that does not rhyme and music with no tune or rhythm. 
However, when you look closer, the Psalms span a wide range of topics, emotions, and situations. And while it does not fit our modern, familiar forms of music, it is music that has been sung in some form for more than 3,000 years. There are songs of sorrow and songs about joy. There are songs that paint pictures of great events and some that look deep into someone's shame. But one of the most common themes of the Psalms is teaching. This is where number 15, the Psalm we are about to talk about, really shines. It is a Psalm that teaches us some very basic principles, kind of like crossing the street. So, This is my paraphrase of Psalm 15. Do you want to live? Determine now to do what is right as your life path. When presented with a choice, choose what is right. Be willing to look at yourself honestly. Don't hurt friends, enemies, or strangers by what you say. Recognize and honor those that do right and turn away from those that choose to do wrong. Keep your word and your promises, no matter what. Don't take advantage of people when they are down. Your honor is not for sale at any price. Remember who you are, no matter what happens. In the modern translation, this poem begins with the question, Who? In the ancient world, The tribe or clan you belonged to was vital to your survival. The place of safety was having a home with those that will protect you and provide for you. This is really a question of choice and identity. The choice is made by listening to what the head of the clan says and following him. Do I choose to align myself with God and his people? The psalm teaches us what that choice looks like. The poem then identifies them. One modern translation reads, They walk with integrity. Their life is defined by good choices. This is not about perfection or never making a mistake, but having as a life direction to do what is right. The rest of the poem refines that idea into a series of choices. One of those vital elements of integrity is telling yourself the truth. That seems like a no-brainer, but actually seeing ourselves as we truly are is difficult without practice and a good benchmark of comparison. James, one of the writers in the New Testament, repeatedly warns against deceiving yourself. Am I willing to look honestly at my life, my actions, my values, my goals? And will I measure them against what is called in the Bible the righteousness of God? It is another way of saying the rightness of God. It is only when we can be frank and honest with ourselves that we can chart a path to God. Remember that this is a song teaching the very basics of a godly life. There are many places in the Bible where this idea of the rightness of God is described further. Peter's second letter takes this further when he talks about the very nature of God and uses the idea of excellence. How often do we find anything that can truly be called excellent? He says God is. Peter goes on and says that we become participants in that nature of God by choosing, among other things, knowledge, 
self-control, kindness, and love. In the context of David's song, we dwell in God's household because we have chosen to imitate the very nature of the head of the household. The next basic idea from this poem looks at what we say. We wield great power, potential for good or harm, by the words we use. What we say is a defining quality of who we are. David says that if we do claim God, we should not harm anyone, friend or foe, with the words we use. Jesus spoke of this when he addressed what would defile or pollute someone. He says it is not what we ingest, but what comes out of us that defiles us, specifically what we say. God's people honor him with their words, and our words influence others. David's poem challenges us how we see, not only ourselves, but others around us. It is important to note that we influence others, and that others can influence us. The poem asks, who do we honor? Who do we respect? We should honor those that do good but recognize and reject those that do wrong. It makes sense if we are to challenge ourselves to reflect the excellence of God that we acknowledge those on the same path, those that would help us and encourage us, and not give attention and influence to those who would take us away from God. How do we express the integrity of God? Well, here is one way. If we make a promise to someone we should keep our promise, even if we are now at a disadvantage. Some modern translations render this keeping a promise even if it hurts. And if the tables are turned and we have the advantage or find someone that we can exploit, how should God's people react? They should react with compassion and honor and not take advantage of someone else's bad circumstances. But what would it take for one of God's people to break their word or do something dishonest or unfair? What is the price? For those who are a part of God's household, no price is worth acting outside the rightness of God. Their heart, their actions, and their morals are not for sale, and honor cannot be bribed. And finally, God's people act according to who they are and not according to where they are. Truth is truth. Good is good. Evil is evil. They live a life measured by the benchmark of God and not compromising based on popular opinion or pressure. Being a part of God's plan, household, family, is what defines and guides them. And because they are relying on God, they are winners. They are safe. They are acknowledged by God as His. He will not abandon them or forget them. This poem is five verses long, but spans the beginning of a life defined by a bond with God. It is simple instructions, like crossing a street, but with an understanding that to fail is to invite tragedy. But look back one more time. The psalm urges us to make up our minds, to live a life full of honor, truth, compassion, and consideration. It warns us against compromising what is right for what is easy or profitable. 
It urges us to consider ourselves a part of the clan and family of God because that is where there is peace and safety. This is one of the shortest of the Psalms. We will continue to discuss others in the future and examine further this idea of dwelling with God. So how do we cross a street or walk in a dangerous place? How do we navigate in a world filled with dangers, evil, injustice, and hurt? David tells us to choose now, to choose God's path, reject what leads us away from that path, and remember our heart and honor is not for sale at any price. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true Word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.